This episode of the Women Encouraged podcast is brought to you by Hope Writers. You have words of hope. Hope Writers wants to help you share them. Find out more at hopewriters.com slash womenencouraged. Welcome to the Women Encouraged podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Hi friend, welcome back to Women Encouraged. My guest today is Kelly Strife, a woman who is genuinely committed to communicating the faithfulness of God in the midst of incredible loss. Kelly is someone I first encountered through an online community of writers called Hope Writers, and I've been inspired and blessed by her solid perspective on what it means to anchor ourselves in God's character and not simply in the gifts He gives. Let's get started. Welcome to you, Kelly Strife. I'm so happy to have you here at Women Encouraged. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Could you go ahead and introduce yourself for us and just share what your life is like these days? Of course. So I live in Atlanta, Georgia with my husband, Peter. And, you know, life looks looks a little different for us these days, I guess, like most people. But Peter usually works in live event production, so he is usually on the road a good portion of the year, and I travel with him frequently because I work remotely, so I'm able to do that. But right now, obviously, we're home like the rest of the world. Yeah. And stay in put. All right. So you have have quite the story, and you have—tell us about um, the the online work you do, because you do work from home. And that's a really great thing to be able to do. But what is what is it that you do? Um, tell us tell us about your podcast too. Yeah, so I I am able to work from home. I work remotely. I write and speak frequently, and have a podcast called Even If about standing firm when life is shaking, and that's kind mm. of the message that I share frequently. But I also get to work with an incredible organization called Hope Writers, and that's where we help other authors and other writers learn how to mix the art of writing with the business of publishing and navigate mm-hmm. that world together. So that's a part of what I do. And I work for a nonprofit that does orphan care in Southwest Kenya. So I just switch back and forth between all these different hats from time to time. Yeah, that is a lot of plates spinning, but that's so great. I love that. Um, one thing that I love is is the way that Hope Writers does connect people. Um, I That's where I first encountered you and your message and kind of started following along with the things that you were sharing. And I really love, Kelly, I love your commitment to speak truth about God, even when your circumstances are painful. And you and your husband have gone through something that's incredibly devastating, and yet you are sharing out of the overflow of what God has been doing in your life. And I want to know if today you would share your story and just talk about how God has shown his goodness and his faithfulness to you through it all. Yeah. So my husband and I got married when I was 37 years old, and that was certainly later than I would have liked in my life. Uh, But that's just how our story unfolded. And so we met when I was 36, got married when I was 37. 
And so because of my age, when we got married, there was always some question about, you know, whether or not we would be able to have children biologically. Yeah. And it was just a desire of my heart and something I longed for. And about a year after we got married, we got pregnant. And it was just this miraculous, you know, gift from God to be able to say, oh, yes, so we are going to be able to have a family and have children. And we had a pretty unremarkable pregnancy. And that's, right. that's really the kind of pregnancy you want. And, you know, no, no major issues and nothing that really alerted us to any issues. And then a week after our due date, we were a week overdue when I woke up one morning and realized that I wasn't feeling our baby move as frequently as she did in the mornings. That was usually a time she was really active. And so we went to the doctor to check things out. And really, we thought we were just being, you know, overly cautious. We thought we were going to look back and roll our eyes at, you know, us going into the doctor to check things out. But when we got to the doctor, we found out that our baby's heart had stopped beating. Mm. And, um, and that's, that's what they tell you when you have a baby that dies in the womb, they just tell you that the heart has stopped beating. And so then we went through the induction and delivery process and our daughter Imogen was stillborn Hmm. 41 weeks. Um, and it was, it completely caught us off guard. Of, Of course it always would, but you know, we didn't realize that anything was wrong until that last minute. And mm. and they think that, uh, it's hard to tell for sure, but we think that um, the cord had gotten wrapped around her neck and um, had cut off the flow of blood. Mm. And that was, you know, the oxygen- oxygenated blood that was sustaining her life. And so we entered this, you know, new season where, you know, stillbirth is, it's an ending right when you're expecting a beginning. Yeah. And so we had completely prepared and made room in every part of our lives to be bringing home this newborn baby. And then suddenly we weren't. And um, so that, you know, we've made room in our finances, in our home, in our physical space, in our, in our minds and in our hearts, just every way. And so suddenly we just had this massive hole yeah. where we thought uh, this baby was going to was going to be present. And, you know, when we were in the hospital waiting to deliver Imogen, we just had this really clear vision from the Lord and reminder from the Lord of the passage of scripture in Daniel chapter three, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Yeah. And they have this moment, you know, where they're facing the reality of the flames in front of them, but they also know who God is. And so they say to the king, they say, you know, our God is able to deliver us from this fire and he will do it. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow and worship these idols. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the posture that we took, even in the hospital was saying, you know, God, we're praying and believing for a miracle, um, as any parent would yeah. in those moments. We're praying and believing that you're able to do this, but even if you don't, you are still good, and our faith and our hope is secure in you. Mm. And so we, you know, we fixed our expectation on who God was. We fixed our hearts on who He was, no matter what the outcome was. And so when we left the hospital without Imogen, 
and entered this new season of life, we have certainly had to process this really natural grief and pain and loss. But at the same time, we're so convinced that God is good and so convinced that he's faithful that he has been this you know, this rock and this foundation and this consistency, even when life feels so uncertain. Yeah. Uh, God isn't, you know, life feels uncertain, but God is secure yeah. and he is certain. And we have in so many ways just been able to experience God's presence and his nearness and his gentleness and his kindness and that's probably, you know, we wouldn't have chosen this story. We wouldn't have written the story this way. We wouldn't have, I don't know that we would have been able to say, God, we want to know you in this way, even if it comes with incredible loss. Mm-hmm. But because this is the season we're in, we do get to experience those parts of God's nature, God, those parts of God's character in ways that we haven't gotten to experience before. And so that's been this gift to us, this unexpected gift in the middle of, you know, unfathomable pain and unfathomable loss. Yeah. That's really incredible, Kelly. And it moves me every time I hear it or hear part of your story. Um, One of the things that I just think about is like, what would my response be if I experienced that kind of loss? How would I be looking at God? And I, you know, in, so in one sense, I'm, thankful that I haven't had to experience that exact story. But, you know, I've experienced loss in different ways. And and I think there's just a sense in which we can give into the loss and let it rock Mm -hmm. us to our core and just change our perspective on who God is. But that has to do so much with where our heart is at before the loss hits us, you know. And I'm wondering if you can communicate maybe why it is so important for us to develop a good mm-hmm. theology of God's goodness that grounds us and secures us so that when we face trials and we face storms, that we know how to walk through them faithfully. Yeah. And I think what you said is so interesting because certainly God can use the storms and the trials to you know turn us back to Him. And so often that's what He does. And yet, when we've built this foundation before we walk into them. And I tell people this a lot because whatever the loss is, whatever the pain is, like we all experience disappointments and we all experience grief and we all experience suffering Mm -hmm. on some level or another. And, and, and honestly, like the, the suffering that you experience is a hundred percent real to you. And so there's no use in comparing, you know, your suffering to somebody else's because right, when you're right. in the thick of it, it's consuming. Yeah. And so I think it, it is, there's so much value in saying, even if you're not experiencing a season of loss or of grief or of pain right now, there's so much value in developing this firm foundation. And it's like, you know, we, we want to build our house on the rock and not the sand mm-hmm. so that when the storms come, we know it's going to be solid. We actually had that. That's the passage of scripture my husband and I had in our wedding um, that we read about, Wow, <laughs> which <laughs> is so crazy. And we, we, um, sang we, the song we had someone sing in our wedding. It's a song called build my life. I will build my life upon your love. Yeah. It's a firm foundation. 
And so looking back and just thinking about the ways that even then we had committed ourselves individually, but then as a couple to saying, this is where we're building our house. This is the foundation we are building our marriage and our lives on together. Having, you know, we knew we'd face storms. We didn't know it would be this storm, right, but, yeah. but setting that foundation then. And I think that when it comes to thinking about God's goodness and developing this theology of God's goodness, I think what's so critical is to recognize that God's goodness is a product of His nature, of mm. His character. It's who He is. And because of who He is, everything He does flows out of that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we get that backwards. Yeah. And we start <laughs> yep. as we do. And we start to look for evidence of God's goodness to prove to us whether or not he is good. And so when I see God react to me, respond to me, answer my prayers, give me things that are um that are feel good gifts when he answers my prayers with a yes, you know, mm-hmm. when we get the job or we get the promotion or we have the baby or the proposal comes or whatever it is, then we start to go, oh, look how good God is. And when we begin with his character of goodness, his nature of goodness, then we have to interpret any of the gifts he gives us through the lens of of goodness. And so even if the answer is no, even if the promotion doesn't come, even if the test never turns positive, even if, you know, we lose our child, even if we're not able to get pregnant again, then we can say, while I wouldn't choose this, while this doesn't feel good, it doesn't change who God is. And there must be evidence of his goodness, even in this, because this story is not, he's not caught off guard by this story, right? This isn't plan B. And, you know, he's not up there going, oh, well, that's all, you know, that didn't work out. What am I going to do now? And right. so when I believe he's good, I believe that every chapter of my story is written from his goodness and out of his goodness, even when it doesn't look like I expected it to or I anticipated that it would. That's so powerful, Kelly. And I think it's such a good reminder. I think every person needs to hear this. We all need to know that there are going to be temptations in our lives to look at the gift and think it's proof that the giver is good, you know? And so I think, you know, like you said, you know, everybody's going to experience their own kind of trial and pain and, and it is real. It is painful for, for you in that season. And, and yet um, when we're going through the good times, like you were talking about, it's so important to have our hearts set on on God and knowing his character and believing his his character is good and because it flows right. his goodness flows from his character not the other way around right. and um do you have any kind of tip offs or um indicators that you might help the listeners to understand like oh man maybe I've conditioned myself to respond to God's actions instead of his character what 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 might be something that would kind of like raise that red flag like oh I need to rethink of how I'm thinking of God yeah so we when Imogen was born and uh she was born on a Friday and Sunday so nine days later eight days later we showed up at church my husband and I and 
that really, that was a bad idea. We weren't ready to be in public and, and we weren't ready to be in that corporate worship setting while of course we're called to those places. It just was really early. And most corporate worship settings aren't really geared towards people who are in intense suffering right. and grief in that moment. But we showed up at church that Sunday morning and the songs that we were singing were all about God's goodness. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't get away from that phrase. I couldn't get away from those words. I couldn't get away from, you know, the, the constant reminder that God is good, even in the middle of this incredibly painful circumstance. And even in the middle of this intense grief that I'm feeling and I wore sunglasses at church for weeks after Imogen died. I like, because I knew I couldn't stop the tears. My eyes were red and swollen anyway. So I would just sing these words with tears running down my face. When I couldn't sing them, I would mouth them along. And when I couldn't mouth them along, I would just stand there and listen Mm -hmm. and just say, you know, God, I am not ready to say these words yet, but I know they're true. And so I'm going to, I'm going to listen to them or I'm going to mouth along with them until I can sing along for myself. But we'd sung about God's goodness and the pastor came out after after the the musical worship portion was over. And I know exactly what he meant, but he said um he said I want us to spend some time reflecting on God's goodness and I want to spend some time reflecting on how we know God is good. Mm. And I know what he meant. He meant like Let's not just sing about it in a theoretical sense. Let's apply it in our lives and let's think about the words that we're, we're, we're singing. But the example that he used, he had had, he had a newborn baby that had been born about six months before. Mm-hmm. And he was sharing that that morning he had sat in the chair feeding his newborn baby. And he said, I looked down at my baby and I thought, this is how I know God is good. How could I not believe God is good when he's given me this child and given me this baby? Mm. And to be standing there, you know, nine days after we had lost our baby and hear someone say, I know God is good because of the child I'm holding in my arms. I'm standing there going, so what does that tell me about God's goodness? What does that say to me about who God is? If that's how you know God is good, then I guess there's no way he can be good in my life. Or maybe he's good to you, but not to me. And while I know what he meant, I think that that what he what his example demonstrated and brought to life for me is the fact that, first of all, our language oftentimes is what indicates what our hearts believe about God's goodness. And so when we talk about God's goodness in terms of the gifts he gives us, in terms of what we can see, in terms of what's tangible and what feels good in the moment, then I think that's oftentimes a tip off Mm -hmm. that we're responding to his actions and not his character. When I'm asked, how do you know God is good? And the first answer that comes to mind is, you know, because we just moved into a new house or because... You know, whatever those examples are in our lives, when that's the first thing that comes to mind, I think that's a moment that we can just make a heart check and say, but would God still be good if this hadn't happened? Do I still believe that God is good even if this hadn't come through? And sometimes, you know, that it really is just a matter of our language. 
But other times, I think it is a matter of our hearts. And we do have to say, God, even if you don't, even if you hadn't, even if you know, you you don't answer this prayer the way I wanted you to. I still believe you're good, and I think that the 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 danger of that, first of all, is you know we're conditioning ourselves, and so the more we use that language in that way, the more we start to believe that it's true, or the more we start to secure God's goodness to those gifts that He gives us. But not only that, we're communicating to other people. And that's what I found in church that Sunday is, you know, if we're called to be communicating God's goodness to a world full of people who are desperate to believe He is good, who are desperate to believe that this is not too good to be true, then if we're not careful, I think we're giving people this, you know, sandy foundation. We are building people's beliefs about God based on something that isn't going to be sustained because he's good when those good gifts come, but he's just as good when he's comforting us with his presence. He's just as good when his peace is washing over us in ways we couldn't ever explain or understand. He's just as good when we're in the middle of intense pain and loss and we're not overcome by it. Um, And then ultimately, you know, as Christians, our whole foundation of our faith is built on the fact that God uses really terrible things by a human standard to accomplish really good purposes. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so that's always fascinating to me that I'm going, we can... We can look at what happened on the cross. We can look at Jesus' death and resurrection and say, God is good. And so if we can look at something as as terrible as death on the cross, as the crucifixion, and call it good, then I think that, you know, we know that just because something doesn't look good to us doesn't mean God's not working and doesn't mean God has lost control and doesn't mean God has forgotten about us or abandoned us or you know left us to our own devices everything about who he is points to the fact that that he's good amen oh man kelly i you know there are some people that you can listen to and think i wonder if they really believe what they're saying and i can hear in your voice how deeply you believe this and how hard you're clinging to the truth of who God is. And I'm so thankful for that. I just want to be your friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) It was just such an encouragement to me to, to really, to get to talk to somebody who's so completely convicted down to their core about who God is. And, and that's the thing, like early on when Imogen died, like I didn't want to find anything good in it Yeah, because because does it feel like it, it would mean that it wasn't real pain? Like, do you yes. ever feel like that? Because I feel like I I look at things like, you know, I've lost babies in the womb, but mm. but early, like all my losses were very early, like at eight weeks, all yeah. of them. And so I think I look at the kids that I have and I think if I had the ones that I'd lost, I wouldn't have the ones that I have. And then I think yeah. about tying that to God's goodness. But again, that's tying it to his actions and not his character. And I think there's right. a sense in which I look at, at at things trying to make 
find something good in them or find God's goodness in them. And then thinking that if I do that, what I'm doing is denying that the pain ever existed. And that I don't think that's true, but that's the trick my my brain plays on me, you know? Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. Like there are moments where it, it on one hand, it feels like a betrayal of Imogen and, and going like, but I want her to know, like I would choose her over and over and over again. I, I yeah. want her to be here. But at the end of the day, and this is really painful for me to say, even right now, at the end of the day, I choose Jesus over her. Amen. And that's heartbreaking to say. And any parent who has a child knows how heartbreaking that is to say out loud. And yet I know that by choosing him, I am giving her the best gift I could give her. Yes. By believing he is who he says he is, she has full life, you know, and she is healed and whole and alive. Um, and so I know that to be true, but it is really heartbreaking to acknowledge. And, and there is this human side of you that does, that feels like, is my pain not real? Um, does it not hurt enough? Or, or, or am I betraying her by choosing him? Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's just believing that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. And the giver is better than any of the gifts he gives us. And of course, those gifts are good. You know, when I talk about good gifts, like Imogen was such a good gift to us. And I am so thankful that that is the story that God wrote for us. And if I had to choose, you know, to have her and have lost her or to never have had her at all, I would always choose to have had the nine months we had with her and to know that we have this baby who, this child who is alive and who we will be reunited again with one day. Friend, this is such a powerful conversation with Kelly. And before I finish sharing it with you, I've got to tell you about our sponsor this week, Hope Writers. Have you ever felt like you have words to share, but you don't know where to start? Have you struggled with the tension between the art of writing and the business of publishing? With the help of Hope Writers, an online community of working writers dedicated to the success and creativity of each member, you can learn how to share your words of hope with a world that desperately needs to hear them. Hope Writers takes seriously the creative, social, and spiritual call to the deep work of sharing your stories and ideas with the people who need them the most. They help writers make progress by finding and following the path to sharing their words with the reader without feeling lost, discouraged, or overwhelmed. To learn more and discover which of the six stages of writing you are currently in, visit hopewriters.com slash womenencouraged to take the 30-second quiz. You have words of hope. Hope Writers wants to help you share them. If I had to choose, you know, to have her and have lost her or to never have had her at all, I would always choose to have had the nine months we had with her and to know that we have this baby who, this child who is alive and who we will be reunited again with one day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so hard. And it makes me think back to when Jesus said, whoever loves mother, father mm. more than me isn't worthy of me. But then he also said, you know, who are my who are my mother and my sisters and my brothers? Well, they're the ones who do the will of my father. And the love that you are demonstrating for Jesus is a, an unselfish love. It's a love that says, Jesus, I'll give you everything. Yeah. And the, and it's the kind of love that our children need, you know, the ones that we we talk to every day, 
the ones that we right. um, are teaching, they need to know that our heart's highest goal and our the goodness of God is real to us, but that Jesus is our treasure, that we treasure him above any gift, even them. They need to know that Jesus and his glory is more important to us than anything on this earth that we can see and touch and feel that he, that he is real and that his goodness is lasting. That's right. That's exactly right. Whether Yes, if we have children that we're raising here, that's the greatest gift we can give them. And for me, knowing that even with Imogen in heaven, that's a gift I'm giving her to continue to not let her loss shake my foundation in a way that I'm not following Jesus anymore. Yeah. But to let her life matter, however short it was here on earth, but to let her life matter by telling her story, by honoring her story, and by letting her life point people to Jesus. Because we're we, now we get to steward her life and her story. And we want to steward it in a way that always says, yeah, Jesus is is the treasure. He is good. He is just as good as he says he is. And not even this can convince me that I'm wrong. Yeah. Because he's just as good in my pain as he is. He's just as good when he died as he was the day I got the positive pregnancy test. Yeah. Can you share maybe some of the passages in scripture that have been really helpful and meaningful to you that as you've been processing your grief mm-hmm. and dealing with, you know, lost hopes in, in one sense and expectations, but um, maybe even the way that scripture equips us to develop our understanding of God's character? Yeah, I think the that's the first way that I think of when I think of how do we know who God is? I'm going, this is what scripture tells us over and over and over again. It's yeah. constantly both in word, like just declaring who God is, but also in the way the stories unfold, it's constantly pointing back to who God is. And I think that the the benefit that scripture gives us is that we get to read certain stories from start to finish. You know, we get Mm -hmm. to read chapter after chapter in a row. And so there are so many stories throughout scripture. Um, The first one that I think about is Joseph. And I, I think about the story of Joseph and how Joseph's life just held pain and loss and terrible things happen to him, unfair things, things that that don't make sense and that could give us any reason in that little snippet of the story to go, well, how could God let this happen? And yet when we look at the course of Joseph's story all the way through to the end, we see someone who you know was sold into slavery, who was thrown into jail, who was lied about and accused and, you know, convicted of things that he didn't do. He had all these terrible things happen. And then yet at the end of the day, God put him in the exact place he needed to be so that he could prepare in the season of feast and then sustain people in the season of famine. And Joseph says, you meant this to harm me, but God meant it for good. Yeah. And stories like that, seeing the complete stories are another way that I look and I go, right now, my story feels bad. It feels terrible. It feels like there's no good that can come out of this or that I wouldn't want the good that might come out of this. Right. But 
I can look at it and go, but this is one page of the story. This isn't the end. This isn't the end in heaven, obviously, eternally, but it's not the end here on earth either. And so I am believing that just like God worked in Joseph's story, he will work in ours. And that doesn't necessarily mean that God will, you know, some people have said things like, well, now you know you can get pregnant. So you can get pregnant again. Mm. Well, I don't know if we'll get pregnant again. I don't know that. I don't have any guarantees of that. I hope and I pray that we will. And not because that baby would ever replace Imogen, but because we do still long to be parents to kids here on earth that we get to raise. And so there are parts of our story that I'm hoping and praying will continue to be written in ways that that I would like them to be written. But my confidence is not in that. My confidence is in the fact that God will bring good, um, that God will bring redemption, even if it doesn't look like what I expect or anticipate that it will. So scripture, I think, first of all, just declares who God is. And then second of all, I think it demonstrates who God is through the stories of the people that we read. The passage of scripture, there are so many that have encouraged me in this season, though. And one of them is from Lamentations chapter three. Mm-hmm. And this is the the passage of scripture that we read at Imogen's celebration of life service. We I think that these words are familiar to a lot of us. Like I grew up singing them in a hymn. Right, and right. like I know these verses, but what I discovered in this season that I hadn't known before, and I, I could have, I just hadn't, is that th- this passage from Lamentations chapter three that's familiar, you know, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But those words are written in the middle of the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations is literally, you know, a book of lament. Yes. It's a book of grief. It's a book of loss and pain and heartache. And the prophet Jeremiah is writing these words after the city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. Their lives have been turned upside down. And in their their situation, that was, you know, a result of God's wrath at their sin. But this, when Jeremiah wrote these words, it was not because things were going wonderfully or life was unfolding according to plan or because, woohoo, isn't life great? Jeremiah says, and it's the verse before that, he says, "This, this has gone wrong. This has gone wrong. This has gone terrible. God, please turn back to us. God, I'm begging you, forgive your people, turn to us once again. And then he says, Yet this I call to mind. And therefore, and I, have therefore hope. I have hope. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's like if Jeremiah can say these words in the middle of this, you know, unfathomable loss and grief as he's pouring his cries and his prayers out to God, if he can declare that, then I can declare that here. This I call to mind. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, his mercies never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. And that just, that passage consistently points me back to who God is, what he's done, and the reason that we can have the hope that we do because of his faithfulness that's new every morning. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So 
We at Women Encouraged, we are very big on living in community with each other and um, just encouraging one another in within the body of Christ. You know, it's a nationwide podcast and I guess worldwide too, but um, yeah. we, we like to bring it kind of back to a local level as much as we can. I'm wondering if you could maybe share some things that we as members of the body of Christ on a local level can do to support each other, you know, maybe in discipleship relationships or, or life groups or something like that, and, and really um, intentionally communicating God's goodness. Are there any tangible or actionable things that we need to be mindful of? And, and do you have any ways that you want to share the way that God has ministered to you and communicated His goodness through His people? You know, when, when we first got the news that Imogen's heart, that they couldn't find a heartbeat, that her heart wasn't beating, we sent out a text message to, you know, different groups of friends and just asking people to pray. And we were asking people to pray big, bold prayers yeah. with us. And so many people, like the amount of people, first of all, that supported us in prayer that were on their knees and were crying out to God on our behalf. You know, I think that's one of the first ways we acknowledge to each other that and communicate God's goodness to each other is that we show up mm. when we're asked and we fight for people when they can't fight for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, of course, of course we were, we were praying in the hospital, but we were also just dealing with all kinds of things and all kinds of questions and answers and, and labor and everything itself. And so to know, first of all, that there were people praying and believing with us, uh, for, for what God was able to do and trusting with us in who he was, even if he didn't, was such an example of, of God's goodness in the community that he had provided us. And then practically and tangibly, we just were overwhelmed with support when, when we got home from the hospital and everything from, you know, some of the things that you think of, meals showing up and meals being delivered and uh, flowers. Like I have one friend that that gave us a monthly flower subscription. So every month on the 14th, this bouquet of flowers shows up to just remind us that she is remembering Imogen with us. And so oh, wow. in these seasons of grief and loss, I think some of the ways we communicate God's goodness is by surrounding people, showing up, supporting them over and over and over again. And I tell people often, there are things we can say um, that are helpful and things that that aren't necessarily helpful. And so letting people grieve and letting people have their process is helpful. There are words that are are true, and then there are words that are timely. Yeah. And yeah. to really be helpful, I think we have to we have to be aware of both. Just because something is true doesn't always mean that you need to share it immediately. And so that makes me think you know, of Job's friends, you know, that's right. Exactly. Like, they said some things that were true. And then it was like, this is terrible timing, guys. That's exactly right. Yes. So I, I encourage people to think through, is this true? And what, and what I mean by that is, is this biblically true yeah. to who God is and what he says, not something that just makes us feel better yeah. because at the end of the day, you know, these words that, that, that aren't based on biblical truth, even if they, you know, they're fluffy and warm and cozy and, you know, think they're going to make somebody feel good. It's, it's really truth. 
that does encourage our spirits, you know, not just feel good phrases. Yeah. So I do encourage people to think through, is this true? But then also, is this the right time to, to share it? Or is this just a time when we need to let people have space to grieve? Mm-hmm. And I think grief and lament oftentimes gets lost in the conversation about God's goodness because the fact that we believe God is good doesn't take away the pain. It gives purpose in the pain and it brings hope in the middle of the pain, but you're still grieving a massive loss. Yeah. And um, it takes away some of the sting, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away the ache. And so we can communicate God's goodness by letting people grieve and letting people feel the pain and not being so quick to try to fix it and try to um, put a Band-Aid on something that, you know, is, is a gushing wound yeah. at the moment. Um, and then I think as the body of Christ, we need to to be careful about our language. And we do need to watch, you know, what we say and how we say it and and just be aware of the seasons of life that other people are in. And, you know, be cautious like that pastor that that as we're talking about how God has expressed his good gifts to us, that we're not equating his goodness solely to the life experience that we have. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Wow. Thank you for this. This has been so encouraging to me. I'm I'm really also, I think getting to know your story before talking to you has been really helpful to me. And I, I want to just ask you, you've touched on this a little bit, why sharing your story and, and testifying of God's character is so important to you. Where what are some of the ways you're doing that and where can we find you and connect with you on the internet and social media to just continue to hear what God is doing and maybe people want to hear more of your story? Yeah. So we have been really committed to sharing our story as it unfolds because, you know, uh, KJ Ramsey, who's also a, a fellow hope writer yeah. that has Actually, her book her book is just releasing. She talks about how, you know, this is not a before and after story. Yeah, yeah. And I resonate with that so much. The story we're sharing right now is not a before and after story. It is unfolding. We're in the thick of the middle of it right now. But that's why we want to tell it now. Because I, I do hear people so often say, you know, Jesus writes the best stories and and, and tell the, this is what happened. And then this is how God redeemed it. And those stories are so important and so valuable because they, they remind us of what God's doing and how he's working. But I think it's also really important to share our stories while they're unfolding. And while we're still saying, we don't know what God is doing, but we trust him even here. And that's what, that's what we want people to hear that no matter what chapter of the story you're in, God is good. He is moving. He is working. He hasn't abandoned you. And there's more to be written for you here on earth and ultimately in heaven. So I I share that a few different places. Uh, we mentioned the podcast, Even If, yeah. and that's one of the places I, I talk about our story. I'm on online. It's kellystrife.com. Strife is tricky. It's E before I. kellystrife.com. And I'm on Instagram at kelly.strife. And, you know, one of the other things that's been so helpful in learning how to share our story is this community that I found in Hope Writers. Yes, yes. And it's such a great resource. First of all, I've connected with so many people who I wouldn't have connected with, who 
have stories of loss or stories of hope and yeah. grief and things we've gotten to connect on. But I think also the the training and the resources I've gotten access to there have helped equip me to know how to share our story and yeah. where to share our story and how to steward the story that God has given us to use it for him. Yes, I love that. And I I think one of the things you said just a minute ago really touched my heart because as a writer, as a, a podcaster or a speaker, um, I, a lot of the time I feel like I'm unqualified to say anything about what God is doing until after he's done it. Being in the middle of the story is the place that I'm not allowed to talk about. And it, and I wrestle with that so much. And I think if there's one group that has helped me sort that out and figure it out has been Hope Writers. And it has been such a gift to be part of this community for the last couple of years. I think I'm going on three years now with them. And the people that I've encountered who've not just said, oh yeah, tell your story, your words matter, but the people who have said, no, God is at work and you're testifying of his faithfulness when you talk about this or you use the gifts that God has given you. And so I've been so thankful for them. They're actually sponsoring this episode of the podcast. They, Our listeners will have heard that a couple of times by now. But I love that I'm getting to talk to you about this, Kelly, because it is so important to say, like the psalmist says, you know, to to speak of God's goodness and his faithfulness and to just declare it, not waiting for it all to be over, not waiting for the the trial to be over or the right. the suffering to be done or to feel like now I'm in this great place of rejoicing and now I can tell everybody who God is. No, I'm just going right. to speak the truth about who God is and what he's doing and how he's writing the story. And especially when, when our hearts are really set on him and it's not like, I'm just telling my story, I'm telling my feelings right. about this, but to say, to, to point to God and say, no, I can give you hope, reader or or listener, because I know this God and I know who he is and I know that he is good. So I love that you're using this, that Hope Writers has been this kind of jumping off point for you in some ways um, in connecting you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't even know that I would have known where to start without without the community and without the resources that that they've given me. Because we want to steward this story well. Yeah. And we want, exactly like you said, we want to steward it in a way that acknowledges who God is, what he is doing, and what he has done. And so I'm so grateful for any any tools or resources I can have to help us navigate that process. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that you're actually part of kind of the admin team there too. I'm like, I'm loving this conversation so much, but I'm like, man, that just makes me so excited that you are helping you know, from an admin perspective, kind of helping other people steward their gifts and their stories wisely too. So that's just such a blessing to have you there in that position. So thank you for sharing all that and communicating that so helpful. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, one last question I ask every guest. This is one of my favorite parts. Uh, What has the Lord been using in your life lately to encourage you in your walk with Him? I think that the Lord has been just showing me over and over through people, through community, that we, kind of what we were talking about, that he sees me and that he hasn't forgotten me. And and in a season where I could feel uh, abandoned and forgotten and alone, mm. partly because of, you know, our story and what's been happening over the last year, but then to be quarantined at home. Oh, yeah. And in oh, isolation, <laughs> you know, we all can feel that way a little bit. And I, I'm seeing God show up through other people 
who are just reaching out and, and sharing, you know, who are reaching out with text messages and cards and flowers. And, you know, we just celebrated Mother's Day and the amount of people that reached out and communicated that they remembered me. The, the thing is, when we do that, I'm not only encouraged because they see us and remember us, but I'm encouraged by the fact that God sees me and loves me enough to prompt someone else to reach out on his behalf. Yeah. And so these actions from other people not only, you know, fill my bucket from a community standpoint, but also from a God standpoint of this is the God we serve who cares about us so much that he will use other people to say, Hey, make sure she knows I see her. I remember her, um, that I am with her and for her. And so that's been a really sweet gift in this season. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being here with me. I've been so blessed by this conversation, Kelly. It's just a delight to talk with another kindred spirit and just hear of the goodness of God through your story. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to be here. And I'm so excited to just get to to share what God's doing in our lives. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find Kelly at kellystrife.com and on Instagram at kelly.strife. Her name is spelled S-T-R-E-I-F-F. As always, you can find us at women-encouraged.com and on social media at Women Encouraged on Instagram and on Facebook at the Women Encouraged page. Kelly reminded us today of Lamentations 3, where the prophet Jeremiah mourns, My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And so I say, my endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. God's character is unchanged, even when our circumstances are dire. In this book of Lamentations, Jeremiah is mourning over the bitter suffering and incredible hardship God's people were living through because of God's chastening. Our circumstances may be radically different from His, but we share the same consolation with Him. God's unchanging, never-stopping covenant love for us. This is what we call to mind to give us hope. I'm praying, friend, that this is the hope that's studying you, too.